Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 46 of Season 5 of Movie World Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki-yay our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is a super guest. It's the godfather of the Movies by Minute community, the guy who's done, like, 10 different shows, sometimes as producer, sometimes as, as the host, sometimes as a co-host, all over the place. It's, it's Jim O'Kane. Welcome back, Jim. Oh, thanks for having me on again. Uh, here we are again with yet another diehard movie. Yeah, this and, is uh, your third, <laughs> theoretically. Uh, yeah, it just, yeah, it just keeps going and going. I'm I'm trapped in the Bruce the Bruce Willis verse, if there is such a thing. Yeah, well, why not? Um, What's wrong well, with that? Lots, yeah, no, it's fine. And you know, sequel land. There's always the possibility that the sequel could be better than the original. Uh, I don't I don't hold by that theory on this particular one, but um, it does have a lot of a lot of noise. <laughs> um, so just, just general, I, I, I don't know. There must be someone probably, uh, tied the audio into a, a counter somewhere, but I, I think this probably has the most bullets of any movie I've ever seen. I can't really, I can't you, think it's, you think it's even more than like commando or something like that? Yeah. I get the strong feeling. This is like out Schwarzeneggering anything. It's just, it's so that there's so I, I, oh gosh, now I want to do that as a project. Just have it look for a waveform. <laughs> And find out all the do 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 kind of things, um, but at least this minute is pretty pretty thick. Yeah, I mean uh, this this is actually the first minute of the movie where there is no dialogue whatsoever. You know, it's it's just sounds. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. It's... <laughs> and because we're we're in the middle of a firefight, so I mean, minute forty six yeah. begins with another one of the SWAT guys getting wasted, and ends with John returning fire, right? Yes. But again, no dialogue whatsoever. Yes. It's a very descriptive minute. We're going to have a lot to talk about. As you know, Jim, you and I, oh, yeah. you and I always have to talk about it. It doesn't matter what's going on on screen. Yeah, we can find something to talk about. So, you know, so it. I mean, it starts off. We we ended things yesterday. There there was, you know, the the ambush. We we had you know uh, a few of the the SWAT guys uh, get wasted really quickly in pretty silly ways, you know, and I mean, I noticed this last week, I mentioned it, that, that none of them are credited at all in, you know, as part of the cast, you know, they, ah. I'm, my assumption is, is that they're all stuntmen. I, I'm not able to, to figure out, you know, who, which stuntman uh, plays each of them. But, but what surprised me is the fact that, you know, at least one of them does have dialogue. So, you know, I'm very surprised yeah. that, that he doesn't have, you know, credit as SWAT team leader or something like that. You know, even though he goes, what do I look like to you? You know, but. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just, here you go. <laughs> you got a big, a bigger uh, residual check uh, that continues on. It's like, thank for, thanks for that line. Yeah, um, possibly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm just, I'm just impressed by the size of the set. It's a very simple set. I mean, or, or, I mean that, uh, that people mover seems to be uh pretty long i don't know how much of this is forced perspective though i was trying to figure some of that out that right i mean have you have you listened to the commentary by uh Rennie harland so so he, no. he talks a lot about this scene um about how long it took them to set it up and you know he said he says shooting scenes like this they don't do anymore because you use most mostly uh visual effects and you know he he said that this was also his his period the period of his life when he used when when he was making things that were bloodier. You know that yeah. that was his uh, the way that he looked at it. He says we want to see a lot of blood. We want to see you know he said he he storyboarded everything just to to make each of the deaths 
more memorable because something is happening. You know, I mean, we saw last week when when one of the uh, you know when one of the bad guys gets or bad guy one of the soldiers gets gets killed. You know, it's very bloody if you're watching it like we are minute by minute. Yeah. You know, if if, if you watch it regularly, you don't really notice how bloody it is. But there is a lot of blood splatter. You know, when when Shockley when oh, Shockley yeah. got got killed, you know, last week and this week, you know, we pretty yeah. much start off with one of the SWAT guys also getting shot. And if you're watching it in slow motion, or if you're watching it uh, intent intensely, like we are, you know, you can see the the amount of squibs that they have as he's falling back. And also, the, it's very it's a very busy set. There's there's so many things that are that that you have in the background for each of these characters to fall on you know like like he he, he topples yeah. over a bunch of stuff and you see all this dust come up or or powder or whatever it it might be you know and they, they yeah candy glass I, i'm guessing but it's just it's yeah it, but it's yeah there's so many like there's sparks and there's uh, I I don't think you get a lot of sparks when you shoot no. when you shoot a glass no, window i don't think so um but uh you know all the the break the breakaway timbers that uh, that are supporting the glass. Um, I'm just amazed at the sheer amount of set decorations in yes. this. I mean, you've got a there's a there's a bullet riddled Sub Zero freezer in a box. Yes, I, I noticed there's, that. There's actually you know, two. Well, it could be that there's two. I, I, yeah. I you see it two different yeah, times, but I'm not sure if it's the same one because it's from different perspectives. As you were saying, it doesn't you know it's hard to tell. Now, why do you think they would have a Sub Zero? um refrigerator there you think that this is like where they're building a cafeteria or a restaurant or something like that i'm i'm thinking yeah i'm thinking it's like a it's like a food court at the end of like uh, a lot of this reminds me uh, similar places would be um at least in the u.s i can think of uh charlotte airport and uh, o'hare in chicago um they usually have these long uh spoke like uh, hubs that you you travel mm-hmm. out on a, yeah, yeah. little people moving things and then at the end there's like a food court area where it would be like a bookstore a newsstand and then a bunch of little you know like a chicken restaurant or a shawarma place and they always have enormous um you know like grills and things like that so i'm just thinking this was a delivery of a rather upscale i would think a sub, i mean sub-zero is uh it, it is used industrially but i i i would think that's more of like kind of a name brand recognition thing i'm just wondering how much of that it was a product placement it's like yeah we uh we sell to the we sell to the airline or the airport trade and also also think um, about it this is this that, is 33 years ago so you know back in back yeah. in 1989 when this is supposedly taking place you know they probably didn't uh, you know the, the airports were were not as uh, commercialized as they are today you know from yeah. from yeah, that perspective true. and you know and and i mean if you want to start talking about sub zero so so what do you know about sub zero about the company you know anything about it? Uh, I uh, other than it, it, there's usually a comment in the price tag with the smallest thing you want to buy, <laughs> uh, but I don't I don't really know that much about. It. I mean, they are known as a as a prestige yeah. product, I would think. But I I would almost guess that you've been looking up about. What a surprise! <laughs> Me? Uh, Why would I do something like that? <laughs> hmm. I don't wow. know, Jim. I, I see. I figured you would be able to just. You know, I, I, I did a lot of research for this week and I said to myself, most of the stuff I'm just not going to have to say because Jim is just going to know it all and he's going to say it. And I'm going to be like, all right, I have nothing to say beyond that, which is fine. You know, because I, I have to look it up. I know that you there's stuff that, you know, just off your head. So how? how? Well, I know. Yeah, I know. I, I know a guy. I know. I know a guy that had uh, that had uh, Sub-Zero uh, products installed in his kitchen in Westchester County, New York. And I remember that. um it 
it took almost it was it was a long time for him to get them in. It's apparently they're almost made to order that you can you can buy them by specific uh, like dimensions and things. And he had a Sub Zero freezer, a Sub Zero like a wine rack, it's, it's like a mini wine cellar, and um, I believe he had a sub. There was there was uh, there was like a full size freezer and then a regular refrigerator, and uh, the doors were a champagne color instead of the normal stainless steel. So I don't know how often that's offered as a as an option, but uh, I know they're they're great in uh, you know if if you want to raise the value of your house, putting a, a sub zero appliance in like even like a dishwasher and things like that, it kind of it's it's known as a prestige prestige um, business. Okay. Do you do you know how far back the the company goes? Like when do you think the company was founded? I would think. I would think it's recent, or recent in the sense of like the last fifty or sixty years. I, I guess I'm guessing sometime in the fifties because I think that's when, like, like during the, um, not the, uh, not the, well, yeah, after the baby boom. I, I have a feeling that they were that that was when products like Sub Zero had come out. Usually it was like you had Hot Point or you had Whirlpool or Frigidaire. Those are the baseline ones, but I think Sub Zero came out probably in the fifties. Okay, uh, so my, it, it, the the company was founded. Um, it was, it was, the official name was, it might still be the Sub-Zero Freezer Company. Um, and it was founded on August 20th, 1945. So, so oh, think okay. about well, that. I mean, that's August that's, 20th. Wow. The week after the right. war ended. That's right. By, by a wow. man named, uh, Westy, uh, Bach, B-A-K-K-E, Bakke. I don't know how they're pronounced. Bucky hmm. in, oh, in okay, Madison, yeah. Wisconsin. I wonder if they were like making them out of old, you know, B twenty. I don't know. No, no, that goes that goes back to uh, you know the the you know your the the group project from three years ago. You know, yeah. <laughs> Actually, those are houses. Yeah, yeah. They were the, yeah, they were best years of our lives. They were making they're, houses, but yeah, maybe they were making yeah. the Sub Zero freezers at the same time. Maybe, yeah. Um, right. Yeah, so he was, he wow. himself uh, invented the first freestanding freezer in 1943. And the company is the first to manufacture built-in refrigerators that they started, uh, you know, selling in the 1950s. Now, one of the things that, that, that you did surprise me on with, with what, you were, what you knew, and I didn't know this before, is that they, besides selling refrigerators, they also sell wine preservation products. Okay, which is like yeah. the storage yeah, refrigeration like a... and stuff like that. And you can actually get them connected to your yeah. security system in the house so that, you know, if, if you're, if you're. <laughs> Somebody's breaking into my right. Perignon. Yeah. <laughs> now, each of these refrigerators, depending wow, nice. on the size, obviously, um, but they can weigh up to 800 pounds. And they generally require yeah. four delivery think... people. They are enormous. I mean, I've, I'm used to, you know, the ones you can pick up at a local, you know, one of those big box hardware stores. Are, they're pretty big, but these things are gigantic. My friend had this one, and it was almost like, a, I, I, I'm exaggerating slightly, but it's like the size of a walk-in closet. You could put as much stuff as, as you, you know, wanted. You could you could put a Thanksgiving dinner in there and uh, maybe add your neighbors and a couple of others. And it's just they're enormous and the, the especially large sized uh, freezer it's almost like a like one of those chest freezers yeah. but standing on end you you have yeah. kind of room in it um and they're just beautiful they're really um they're very sleek and uh it has a very uh, flush profile because it's usually built into the 
into the kitchen system. So it's not it's not something that you're going to roll out and roll in. It's just more like a like a right. And surprisingly, system. even after almost 80 years, you know, they're they're still going strong. And they've they're they they've acquired other companies. You know, they acquired a company called Wolf, huh. which uh, sells kitchen appliances, and a company hmm. called Cove that sells dishwashers. That is now all part of wow. You know what they do there. Yeah. I, Sub, yes, the Sub Zero family. Um, I don't know if Sub Zero would apply if they if they, if they built ranges though. <laughs> I would think the name kind of goes against trying to heat. Well, maybe that's why they're no um, longer called the Sub Zero uh, yeah, Freezer they Company. Are, they're just called the Sub Zero Group. You know, they, they, they yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, they, yeah. Wow. Well, intriguing. So then we we get to see uh, Mulkey starts uh, firing away, and he looks like he's uh, you know hiding behind some slinkies. Which the, those those are those are air conditioning ducts, right? I yeah, I would think so. That yeah, that looks like all HVAC stuff. Yeah, and, uh, and and one of the things we talked about last week is it's great. Those are those are the perfect things to hide hide behind when someone's shooting at you. Yeah, or, yeah, because they're really thick. <laughs> and, bulletproof. Yeah, and bullets yeah. won't go through them. <laughs> well, yeah, and if you if you stretch them out, you know, um, as uh, as McLean has shown us, you can climb through them and they'll su fully support you as you walk, walk through the, the, uh, right. the rafters. Of course. Um, of course, uh, you know, and you can go really fast through them too. We're yeah, we're gonna get. I mean, as this week goes on, we're gonna get into more about the size of this set. This is an kind of an enormous set that you don't realize how big it is until you see some of the some some of the shots to establish where people are. But uh, I'm I'm impressed. Correct. Uh, I'm also impressed by the use of uh, Armstrong floor tiles, especially since that <laughs> where the uh, where the one SWAT team member is laying down in a pool of his own blood. Um, he has some very nicely laid out uh, Armstrong uh, vinyl flooring, which I that yeah. the uh, the dark gray is actually what I use in my own kitchen. So I, I can appreciate the quality involved in the layout. And does blood stain it or uh, not? I, well, we have had a couple of uh, roasts <laughs> land on the floor and with, before the dogs tried to get at it. But yeah, no, it's very it's very it's wipeable. I, I think it's very easy uh, maintenance. So they really shouldn't have a problem with cleanup here after uh, after they remove all the. Uh, so in other words, they chose they chose the right tiles to use if your SWAT team is going to get completely wasted. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's bulletproof, but I guess you know just you only have to worry about ricochets. But it really is a, a very nice and uh, affordable uh, way to fill in a large area. Um, but okay, that, hey, uh, that works. That is a. I mean, I know, <laughs> I know how much my own kitchen, uh, how long it took my own kitchen to get laid out. But I'm just watching that 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 flooring going all the way off into the distance, unless it's some kind of forced perspective. But it's just a beautiful. Uh, Beautiful tiling job there. Um, yeah. Wow. It's yeah. It, it's just amazing <laughs> how all, all the different uh, the set decoration is impressive. But it just do they really need that much gear to uh, just make the suggestion <laughs> of what what this was? Because it looks like they brought in. I mean, everything they could find. You know, it, it's almost like they went to a work site and took everything. They brought off. in everything but the kitchen sink. Yeah, exactly. But they did bring the refrigerator <laughs> or, or the freezer at least. Yes. Um, yes, and and it looks like there's you see a big W. It might be Westinghouse. Yeah, that could be. on one of the boxes. Yeah, right. yeah. But it looks like a maybe a small refrigerator. I don't know. It's hard to tell what what's in the box. You know. Yeah, it just looks like they're setting up some kind of like a California pizza kitchen or something there. Um, Anything's possible. Yeah. Right. And then 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 we have one of the other SWAT guys. One one of the the guys who I think is the only one who's still alive at this point. You know, he's he starts. Uh, you know, he's he's hiding behind the slide walk. And is shooting, so at least that's smart. You know that uh, it is bulletproof, yeah, so, or it's metal, so there's more of a chance. And then you know, up up on top, we have uh, Sheldon shooting at him 
from from above, you know, the the guy yeah. who's on the scaffolding. Yeah. And for some stupid reason, the SWAT guy stands up and then gets <laughs> and then gets gets uh, riddled across the chest. Yeah, it didn't really take and, that one out. <laughs> no, not at all. And you know, he he really gets uh, blown away here. And of course, you know, he staggers backwards and breaks a, a lot of glass. You know, this is uh, this is this is going to be a lot of a mess for someone to clean up. Yeah. There's no question about that. Yeah, I with think all he, the all the glass, the grand opening is going to be set back several months. Yeah, and and I like the fact that they do show it from various angles as he's flying through. You know, yeah. I mean, one of the things that 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 uh, you know that Rennie Harlan mentioned was is that they had to have multiple cameras on every shot in order to you know later on edit it properly instead yeah, of having to to reshoot everything all the time. Yeah, once you're setting off all those all those pyros, I would think that it's it's kind of difficult to uh, say, "Oh, let's take two, but get me a new scaffold." Um, that's right. It's, uh, it, I mean, it can be done. It's not that it can't be, but, but, you know, then you have continuity issues of if the yeah. guy doesn't fall exactly the same way and stuff like that. And, and I love how we see Barnes still crouching on the side there. Yeah. You know, high, uh, covering his face, you know, he's, he's in his, uh, you know, hand cello Hoth, uh, yeah. coat <laughs> and, uh, you know, covering his face as he's doing that. What is that implement that he's holding? I, I it I, I've been I keep scrolling through and it's like a pipe that has a C clamp welded to it or some kind of a flat piece of metal. I okay, well, right, we're 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 almost there. He's not holding okay. it yet because at this point at this point he's still grabbing the you know the box which you know is is last week uh, my guest referred to it as you know the Pulp Fiction box. Yeah. Because you know it, it's it's a luggage case that you yeah. know that's what they use in movies. Yeah, yeah, the Halliburton you know, from uh, Lost. Um, that's right exactly yeah. and and then he starts crawling around to to safety and then th they give us a great overhead shot of the five dead SWAT guys you yeah. know lots of blood all over the place um you know they, they they all had spectacular deaths i guess you can say from yeah. from that perspective <laughs> and it, it gives you it gives you a good uh, a good idea of the scale like, like where everybody is like you know where the end yes. of the the end of the people mover is and um, right. It's known as a slide walk, but we'll get there later oh, this week. Okay. We'll talk a little bit more about what that is. Sure. Um, but but uh, in, in the script, it's referred to as a slide walk. Oh, OK. So, you know, um, and and yeah. uh, I mean, one of the things that I noticed last week that was the first time I ever noticed it was is that Mulkey, one of the guys is actually behind them because when they come in on the slideway, you can see him a slide walk. You can see him uh on a ladder on the oh. other end so oh, okay. i mean that, which which actually makes sense because if if they're really going to ambush them so you know you have the crossfire coming from different areas and stuff like that so it, yeah. it makes sense but i never thought about it from that perspective of where everybody was specific to you know everything that's going on yeah you know? and then and then then they give us like shots of each of the dead guys now the first one that they show us i find really really interesting because He's somehow dead, but he's holding a gun straight up. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, like uh, maybe it's it's leaning against some sort of pole or something like that. But it it just looks very strange. This is the shot that I think you're talking about with the, you know, that there's a lot of blood on the floor itself. Yeah, 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 and uh, and still he's not only yeah he's not only holding onto the gun, but he also seems to be holding onto the ladder. Yeah, well, come on, you, you, yeah. someone might want to go up the ladder. You have to have yeah, someone yeah. you know holding onto it to to, to balance it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, you know. Then we get to what you were talking about with Barnes. Barnes is holding some sort of pipe with some strange thing on the end of it. I'm not really sure what that is. Actually, I do know. It's it's. I think isn't that used for scaffolding? Isn't that like a it, pipe that's used to yeah? It may be to a put the scaffold together. Of some kind. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I don't recognize the implement, but I haven't. I've never built a scaffold, so I don't. I don't. But yeah, it looks like you haven't. Come on, Jim. You're very disappointing. You're disappointing yeah. me. <laughs> no. I should have I should have prepared better for this minute and gone out and got rented a scaffold. Um, That's right. The, uh, it looks like some kind <laughs> what of. What do you mean rented? You should have built one. There you go. Oh, well, you, don't so you rent, rent the piece. Yeah, get the get the truck right. out and get. But uh, yeah, it looks like some kind of a slotted piece that you put in the pipe. It looks very effective if you want to like you know stab at somebody. Um, That's right, and oh, and yeah. we can see we can also see that he is sweating uh, profusely. You know, there's a nice shine on his forehead here from the whole thing. Now, one of the things that I noticed that was really interesting is that that there is tons of bubble wrap around here. Yes. Okay. Yeah, like more, every more, single more protection. Yes. Yes. I mean, come on, that stops bullets, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's bulletproof. Now, what what do you know about bubble wrap? Um. It's, it's addictive. I know that part, that much, but uh, I would think bubble wrap has been. I would think that would be a World War II invention. I may be wrong, but I would I would guess that it is a, an invention from the forties. All right. Well, you see, you you have to flip the, the your two your your two answers uh, back and forth. You know, you said that 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 you thought that the Sub Zero was in the fifties and that this is in the forties, but it's the exact opposite. The Sub-Zero was in the ah, 40s, okay. and this is in the 50s. This bubble wrap is, first of all, bubble wrap is a pliable, transparent plastic material used for packing fragile items. And it regularly space protruding air-filled hemispheres, which are bubbles, provide cushioning for fragile items. And this was actually something that was made by accident. Hmm. Okay, in, in 1957, there were two inventors named Alfred Fielding and Mark Chavanes, and they were attempting to create three-dimensional plastic wallpaper. And it didn't work, but what they ended up realizing is, is they could make packing material at the same time. Uh -huh. um, and they created a company called Sealed Air, which they uh, opened in 1960. You know, three years later. Yeah. So wow. I, I'm now I'm just I, I was just picture as, as you were saying that I'm just trying to picture bubble wrap wallpaper. That would be <laughs> well for the one time you were in the room, it would be really soothing and relaxing. But then afterwards, it would just be kind of like, oh, gee, I got to read wallpaper the whole place now. No, I think I think maybe the idea is is that it's wallpaper that's protruding. Like you put wallpaper over the bubble wrap. I think that was more oh, of the okay. idea. That's what I, that that's my in, that's how I would envision it. I mean, yeah, I could I be was, wrong. I was, I was picturing that they would have some kind of the the bubbles wouldn't be round. They they would if you had a large uh, bubble wrap of like swans, the swans would come out in kind of a three dimensional it could be. Uh, look to them. So, right. but uh, right. Uh, uh, I'll have to look up. Uh, did you say Fielding was the name of the fellow? Uh, uh, Alfred that, Fielding must, and Mark Chavannes. There, there, there must be the. Uh, there must be pictures somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there, somewhere somebody has a website all about bubble wrap. I'm sure. That so. probably that's probably true, and I mean the the company Sealed Air. They actually own the term bubble wrap, but but now it has become a generic trademark. You know, like uh, uh, like Kleenex and Velcro. You know, all yeah. the different things yeah. that. Uh, you know that, that we use do, do you know any other names that people would use for bubble wrap any idea no. so there's bubble pack air bubble packing 
bubble wrapping and aeroplast. Aeroplast. A E R O P L A S T. Um, wow. Yeah. It it became very popular in the '60s when they were starting to make computer equipment, and they would ship. You know, IBM would would ship their computers to customers, uh, packing them in this new material. You know, in order to keep it uh, nice and uh, you know from 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 being destroyed along the way. And one of the things that you mentioned is it's now also become a cho- a, a toy that is very addictive for kids and adults alike. Um, because it gives a very satisfying popping sound. You know, they, they actually, now there are other toys that, that are in the same vein that they've made out of plastic. You know, you have the, the poppets, which yes. is something, oh, yeah, that's which right. is something which that just reuse that they're reusable. Yeah. And poppets just became popular, um, you know, during COVID that's when people started really making them and, you know, they became a hit because like you said, it's, it's something that's, it's, it's bubble wrap that's. That's uh, reusable. Did you know that there wow. is a bubble wrap appreciation day? Oh dear! It's it's on <laughs> it's on the last Monday of January. That's when you got to get rid of all the all the holiday stuff, and you're packing you're packing away all the all the lights and things like that. And you're rolling rolling it up like, what are we going to do with all this extra bubble wrap? Yes, and and why wow. was it designated on the last day, the last Monday of, of January? Because a radio station in Bloomington, Indiana a few years ago, received a shipment of microphones wrapped in bubble wrap and broadcast the sound of their wrappings being popped. And therefore, they decided <laughs> to call it, you know, uh, bubble wrap day. day. Yes, or bubble wrap appreciation day. <laughs> wow. I do. I, I can't I can't do anything on bubble wrap, but I can tell you about its uh, its cousin, um, uh, packing peanuts, because uh, I have uh, had a friend whose dad worked for Dow Chemical in Delaware and they were the his dad would always say that's where they invented the packing peanuts. Oh really interesting. In uh, Lewis Delaware was where they were invented in like around 19 around 64 so 64 65. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah but, I, I, uh, I don't like this anyway. That was, I, that was I had to contribute something but that's the only thing I could say <laughs> is packing peanuts. But they're not yeah they're not as they're not as satisfying as bubble. No, I don't. I don't. For me, I don't like styrofoam. Styrofoam gives me the, you know, the chills each time. You know, like some people have that. You know, the when you rake, uh, you know, your nails on on a on on a, yeah, on a blackboard, blackboard and stuff yeah. like that. For me, styrofoam. I I never was able to use styrofoam cups or anything like that because it would it just, you know, gives me the chills. It right now, even as I'm talking to you, it gives me the chills thinking of it. <laughs> there may be a tr- there may be a, a solution though. There is. Um, I know there are reusable or actually they're dissolvable uh packing peanuts that are made out of cornstarch and they don't they don't have that squeaky feel oh, really? to them okay. so you and what you can do after you've received a package that has these cornstarch uh packing peanuts is you can you can just pour, pour milk pour, in it and pour have, water on. <laughs> have cereal yeah have them for breakfast yeah no yeah you can or you can you can pour water on it and it'll just turn into a paste and disappear so they're they are uh, environmentally friendly Ooh, very nice um, corn starch packing peanuts i don't know what the sound or the or the but i know that the feel is not as squeaky which i think that that that's the i, I agree that one of the worst feelings is if you put a lid on a on a styrofoam cup and you feel that yeah. sound is it's, exactly yeah i'm right with you <laughs> right and then and then we see barnes look around the, the the side of the the slide walk and and this is one of the things you were talking about before it gives us a view of the the entire room which is done really well because we see it from his perspective. Now, my question is, is how did he get yeah. so far away from 
the slide, uh, you know, he, he wasn't he hiding behind the, the slide walk or is this another one? Maybe this yeah. is another slide walk. Well, I think uh, there is th that scene where he is um, uh, after the after the body crashes through the giant plate glass. There is a scene where he's kind of crawling to the uh, earlier. He he crawls around the back of that frame. So I think that's that's where he's moving away. Yeah. He's, he's hoping that other people are being distracted by it. So I think that motion that motion was hidden. It's plausible off screen yeah. action. Yes, as they say, uh, where he he gets around and gets behind the frame and then can uh, then get his um his little yeah. tool. And then and then we have a great shot of just the feet. You know, someone is coming towards him, yeah. and you see all the the the, the bullet shells on the ground and the broken wood, and you know you actually see you see that the hand of of one of the SWAT guys, and you see that his gun. You can see his gun. Uh, basically, he ran out of bullets. You know, it's it's, it's got an empty chamber. Yeah. You know, and and just walks by, and and they do it really well. It's the the music, the, the you know the the tempo of the music changes at the time. Because yeah, Barnes Barnes has no idea what's what's going on, and then we get to see our, our good friend Robert Patrick back here again. You know, yeah. which he plays. Uh, do, you, do you remember his character's name? No, I do not remember. I mean, it's never it's not mentioned oh. in the dialogue. It's it's I mean in the in, in the credits. His name is O'Reilly. O'Reilly, okay. Because he looks really Irish, yeah. doesn't he? <laughs> well, Patrick's an Irish name. <laughs> uh, yes, that's but, true. Uh, yeah, he's um. Yeah, it, uh, Robert Robert Patrick is he's such a great bad guy because you don't expect him. You know, he he seems to have like an almost kind face or just not a he doesn't seem like a like a dissociated face. He's like this is my job and this is what I do and he's not being mean or anything. He's just being, "Oh, this is what I'm going to do and now I have to off this guy and that guy." Um but and like like when he was the terminator. Yeah, exactly. Just, when he's a T1000. Yeah, yeah, you you know, emotionless. Yeah, you can feel like he's an emotionless face. Yeah, he just just totally wanders in and and does this, and um, uh, he, yeah, he just seem he just seems like a like a very calm and and you know just he he seems like an extra. He just, you know, I mean we we know him from looking back. You know, well in this movie in in this movie he was an extra. Yeah, yeah, he, he was know. an extra. He was <laughs> That's like the thing. this is this is this was like the last movie I think just before his you know his big breakout role in as the T T one thousand. That's right. But um, that's right. We talked about we talked about last week that maybe you know James Cameron saw this uh, scene and it's like oh there's my T one thousand. Well, I I do. <laughs> this is the guy I want. I do have a I do yeah. have a story. My my late friend uh, Robert Renfro who. Uh, he was a, a composer, and he he moved out to L.A. to be a movie composer. He worked worked on a couple of different uh, uh, different films, uh, but uh, he was friends. He was in a poker group, and two of the people that he was in a poker group was uh, Robert Patrick and Lou Diamond Phillips, and they used to get together and, and play poker once a week. And the night before Terminator Two um, came out, uh, he and he and Robert Patrick were standing on a balcony in uh, they were i think they were in uh, north hollywood and um they were watching the sunset and robert patrick turned to him and he said you know this is the last day i'm not going to be famous and it was just an interesting did he really say that he said that yeah oh my god and it's like <laughs> they, because he had been to like the press screening and stuff like that but it was all like everything was going to break the next day and he said i think this is the last wow. day i'm not going to be famous 
And they were all, you know, they were all kind of pondering that. And Lou Diamond Phillips was, he was, he was like TV famous, but he wasn't big, you know, like he, he, he'd been in, he'd been in, in, in movies and things like that, but people, people weren't swarming him and stuff. But now, you know, it's no. like, like that was the day his life changed. And I'm, I, I, my friend, my friend Rob told me this story and I keep thinking, I wonder how, you know, all, every actor that you see in a movie, there was the last day they weren't famous. And, and how many of them know that? That's the question. Yeah, yeah. How did they, you know, when 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 was it that all of a sudden you knew you were going to be big? Um, my, you know, and, and my friend Billy Campbell, who was who was up for uh, the role in this that um, William Sadler is playing. Uh, he was he turned this role down to go for the Rocketeer because they were both shooting they were, they were getting ready for the same thing. And he was like, I could be a second lead or I could be the star. So he went with the Rocketeer. But his I mean, he'd already he was already famous, but for being in the soap opera um, Dynasty, he was he was a character in right. Dynasty. So people recognized him from that. But this was he'd never been a movie star. And um, he, you know, like he he could do. He did Dynasty, and he had, you know, had his hair closely cropped. But he used to let his hair grow out and grow a shaggy beard, and go do he he'd work at Renfair. He'd do like plays, and you know, he'd, he'd do Shakespeare at, at Renfair and things like that. And people would come up to him, and wouldn't know that he'd just been on an you know an ABC uh, soap opera or even you know, daytime <laughs> soap opera. But after, and you know, if you watch him in um, before uh, before the Rocketeer when he was doing he was doing Renfair, he was almost. Um, he was almost Commander Riker on uh, on. Uh, oh, really? On the next, Star next, Trek, next, uh, next yeah, generation. It was, yeah, it was down to him and Jonathan Frakes, and he really didn't want he didn't want to be on another TV series again because even though it was it was pilot season, there were a bunch of other things. He wanted to do movies, and really, he he much more enjoyed doing Renfair than being on a TV show. So, oh, um, uh, but he was. Do you know if he regrets that decision? No, no, he he does doesn't regret it at all. And actually, he, oh, okay. when he did his. He did his guest shot on the uh, he was in the episode The Outrageous Lacona, which was kind of a Romeo and Juliet story on on Star Trek. He was friends with um, uh, Ju- Junie Maori, who is the uh, casting director for both uh, The Rocketeer and for uh, The Next Generation. She felt bad that he didn't get the part of Riker. So she got him a part as a, a guest star where he played like a Han Solo character and he basically went from be- doing Renfair one weekend to the next week he shot uh, he shot this Star Trek episode. And you can see that he has the shaggy hair and the beard, which was from Renfair. And uh, he wound up in, in that part. But he didn't he didn't like the role. He didn't like the way he was doing his line readings. He he really regrets that role. Although he is they've brought his they brought his character back on um, uh, not lower decks a Star Trek prodigy, which is a, a Nickelodeon show. And his mm. his anim his animated character is in there. He does voiceovers for that. Um, but he he was on our show and said that he loves doing uh, voiceover work because he also did. There's an animated Rocketeer uh, for kids show. Um, he enjoys doing voiceover because all he has to, he lives in Norway and all he has to do is go into downtown Oslo, record on a mic like we're doing, <laughs> get in front of a microphone for an hour or two, read the lines a couple of times. And then uh, go go to the pub and get a beer. He's like, it's he goes, it's a lot easier than having to go to makeup, having to learn all your lines, and having to do a million million takes in front of a bunch of lights and people, t- you know, patting makeup on them. Right. So, oh wow. It's 
just interesting. The fame is always, I think when I interview people about the movies that they're in, both the, on the production side and on the, on the, uh, the acting side, it's always interesting seeing how a film or working on a film changes their life. Um, and it's just interesting seeing here, seeing Robert Patrick here in this last movie where he's, you know, quote, just an, ex, an extra. Um, That's right. And, but, you know, and you know how his life changes in the future. <laughs> we know the future. Yeah. <laughs> O'Reilly doesn't know his future, but we know his future. No, no. <laughs> right. So then he, he like comes out stealthily from the side, you know, holding holding a pistol in his right arm, uh, his right hand and holding an MP5 in his in his left. And it's great because they show him walking and it looks like he's coming towards us. And then they show us Barnes's face and we think that he's coming straight at Barnes. And then as the, the shot widens, we see he's actually behind Barnes. Yeah. And they, they, they do that really well. It, it you know, it, it takes us by surprise, just like it's about to take him up for surprise. Yeah. I'm, I, I still I, I wonder the practicality of carrying two guns at the same time that it, I mean, I guess, you know, if you need a machine pistol like an MP5 for spraying and missing everybody or having a, <laughs> having a gun pointed, you know, point blank, uh, it's a lot easier to get in there with the uh, with, the, with the pistol. Well, I, I think it's the, I think a lot of these scenes are for people who don't really know how to shoot guns to make it look yeah. as if it's a lot cooler and that there's there's no recoil or anything like that. So yeah. why not? You know, it, it's as you said, it's not practical, but. You know, for 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 people who don't know, then it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This <laughs> Why is not? not this is, you know, yeah. like how do you how do you reload? I mean, in in movies you don't need yeah. to reload, but in real life, if yeah. you were if you if you had a pistol in one hand and a machine gun in the other hand, you know, uh, you're with within a minute you're gonna have to reload. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. Especially <laughs> the way they're especially the way they're firing. It's just That's like, right. Another Completely. five seconds worth. Yes. Um, I'm surprised there's that. There's that few uh, that th that little brass on the floor. <laughs> the yeah. floor should be just covered. That's right. Well, no, it, it this the the amount of brass on the floor here. You know, yeah. there's there's the the all four of the the bad guys were at different place in different places. So all yeah. of their brass will be you know scattered in in different areas. Yeah, little little hills of it. Exactly. Ah. Exactly. Yeah. And and again, Sheldon's up up on a scaffold. So. You know that's going to be you know bouncing all over the place. You know with, yeah, with that. Yeah. So and then and then he for some strange reason just puts the gun to Barnes's head as opposed to you know you'd think that he just needs to shoot him from a little bit you know from a, a foot away like well he doesn't need to you know to, to yeah. get so close like what's what's the point you know, unless you want to make sure that you know the guy you're about to shoot knows that he's about to be shot I think that's part of it. Even though he could have yeah. just said, "Turn around" or something like that, you know? yeah. And and then Barnes turns around quickly. You see, he's he's very scared, uh, obviously, <laughs> because he can see he's about to be executed. And and then we hear like a sound from above, of the you know the 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 grate on the yeah. on on the air conditioning unit uh, or the tunnel or whatever you want to call it that, that yeah yeah that, it's a, the, the 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 yeah the movie hvac that's at least five foot tall <laughs> that's right that's right so you and and it's great how john was is able to even you know turn himself around because beforehand he was going head first and now his yeah. feet are there so you know he's he's nice and flexible like a pretzel that 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 he's able to, to you know to take care of that he kicks open the door 
or kicks kicks open the the grate. And I mean, you got to give O'Reilly credit. He's got great reflexes because he quickly turns around and puts both hands up and is able to actually catch the the grate as it's coming. And yeah. he's holding on to a gun in each hand. Like he he's yeah, it's he doesn't drop either gun and he's still holding on to the grate. So yeah, you give him credit for that. And wow. yeah. and then and then John just just starts shooting. He shoots uh, basically. I, I think I counted four bullets, and yeah. you know three of them bounce off the grate, and the fourth one somehow gets in between the the grate and you know hits hits O'Reilly right in right in the stomach. Uh, once again, a lot of blood splatter as he like falls down, and and then. You know, Sheldon wakes up and starts shooting from the scaffold at John. Like you'd think he would have done this already, because you know, as as we're watching yeah. this, you know, minutely, it still took 10, 12 seconds for this all to happen. You know, a trained professional like Sheldon should have already noticed and should have started shooting at John. But yeah. you know, what can you do? Well, I, I, <laughs> I I do want to point I do want to point out we're gonna we're gonna be going into this later in the week. But the amount of I feel I feel greatly for the set direct set decorators and the painters because we this is the first time we're seeing as far as I can tell in the movie. This is the first time we're starting to see the edge of a giant like a Diego Rivera styled uh, yes, mural that's on right. the ceiling. There's a mural. You just get a ceiling. little there's the slightest glimpse of it in the corner for maybe uh, two frames. I keep thinking somebody spent a week drawing this gigantic mural that we're never really going to get a good master shot view of. Yes. Um, but this this would be the first time that we're we're seeing it in the in the film. And That's it right. just seems very much out of character for the rest of the architecture of this place. This looks very sleek and modern, yet they're putting in this very um, older, almost art deco styled um, uh, mural. Uh, yeah. up up on True. the ceiling. But we'll we'll talk about that as the week goes on, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then John basically jumps back into the duct because now he's being shot yes. at. He gets in pretty quickly. We we get another shot of of Sheldon shooting at him. Uh, once again, nobody needs to reload. Uh then no. Mulkey starts shooting, you know, as he's standing behind the, the slinkies. You know, again, he's got great cover, great bulletproof slinkies in front of him. That are, are going to make sure that, that nothing happens. And as you mentioned earlier, there's tons of sparks, you know, as everyone yeah. keeps missing everyone else, you know, so, you know, there's everything's just sparking all over the yeah. place. All, all these guys need a lot more time on the range. That's all. Well, these are supposed to be um, elite soldiers. John, I can understand yeah. if he's missing. These other guys, I don't know. Yeah. It's um, turned a single shot instead of the, you know, they, they obviously have it on full auto, which is just. They're wasting bullets. Yes. Well, when, um, when you have when you have a clip that holds two hundred bullets, so yeah. <laughs> how are you wasting bullets? <laughs> you know, it's the special uh, effects guys yeah, that well, need to deal with that. Yeah, and it's uh, and of course John isn't barefoot in this in this Not yet. So even though they Not did yet. have a they did have a shoot at the windows um, scene here that was yes somebody did, somebody did or shoot the guy in front of the windows um that was uh yeah I, I think that was yet another homage to the original yeah there's there's tons of them here. And I mean, basically, that's the way this minute ends with John uh, returning fire from from the duct, uh, shooting at them. Did you have anything else you want to say about this minute, Jim? Before we get into the script? No, I I am impressed by the 
just I, I, I'm impressed by the scale of the this set piece. I, I didn't I haven't counted all the sets in this film, but this is this is a major uh, a major set uh, for a major interior set at least. Yeah. Um, and I'm impressed by the work, though the craftsmanship of putting it together. It, they could easily cheat uh, with the amount of equipment that's in the place, but it seems very. Um, they were very fastidious in getting getting everything. You know, all the there's so many things. There's like mops in the background and things that are stacked up against. It looks like an actual work site. Yes. Um, but that was that was my biggest, mo- the most impressive part of the scene. Besides besides all the pyro, that's uh, right. It was it was a great <laughs> great idea. Yeah, I mean, you 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 probably don't know this, but in the original script and they filmed it, there was a scene where these four bad guys actually killed the real painters, but they they ended up cutting it out. Wow. You know, so. Oh yeah, that would that would have slowed things down, I guess. But yeah, that well, would have slowed things out, but it also would have would have taken away the surprise that you know that these guys are there. Right. You know, had we seen it at the beginning, because basically at the beginning they have uh, three different teams. So the first team, you know, goes into the church and they they kill the the watchman there, or the the the, the janitor or custodian, whatever you want to call. It. And then they have this team that deals with the painters, and then they have another group that that uh, end up using a rocket launcher and blowing something up in order to uh, blowing up like a transponder or something like that. So whatever, I'm glad they cut that out also. But you know, it's it's still interesting to know that 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 was there. Yeah, or, and that they had the budget to film it. Yes. Well, I don't know if they. Filmed, <laughs> I, guess after- I don't know if they filmed the scenes with with the rocket launcher, but the 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 yeah. painters they did film. So Robert Patrick yeah, would have no, had well, a little bit more to do. Yeah, and you know, based on the success of of Die Hard, I don't think this was that bigger reach for the studio that say, you know, let's you know, this Fox was Fox is probably saying, well, this was the biggest you know, budget for a movie ever at the time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And well, they, they, they didn't, you know, they put it all on the screen. You can tell that, I mean, at least as much as, yes. as much as they filmed uh, de- definitely worthwhile for just dollar, right. dollar per uh, action. Correct. It held the record for, I think a year. I think, I think uh, oh. Die Hard 2, uh, sorry, I'm Die Hard 2. I think Terminator 2 was the next highest budget uh, movie. If I remember correctly, you know, of how much they spent, not not talking about how much they made. So the the, the script yeah. the script is actually quite brief here, but it's something very important. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. It says a third airport cop dies, his partner kills the gunman Shockley, which happened on Friday, who took out his friend, and then he's killed himself. The last SWAT cop breaks cover and gets cut down, sudden silence. Barnes suddenly realizes he's all alone. Footsteps approach him. He looks up. Mulkey is right above him. So, you know, they, they switch it. It's not O'Reilly, it's Mulkey. Mulkey's the Mulkey. the other guy who's who's the guy in black. Okay. Then it says, suddenly a ventilation grate by Mulkey's head kicks out, sending the guy sprawling. McLean jumps down, firing. Mulkey has caught the damn thing on reflex, and now he twitches backwards, the bullets sparking off the grate before they drill through him. So, I mean, it, it's it's very descriptive, yeah. but again, it's it's... Was it a quarter of a page, if that, describing this entire yeah. minute? You know, they 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 expanded on it uh, nicely in the you know in the final cut. Yeah, no, it. Yeah, it's probably more sellable as a storyboard than than, than the script. I think if you saw it yeah. in, you know, in comics form, it probably worked really easily. That's right. 
say, here's how, here's how. Correct. So every Monday we have a segment called the McLean Monday, where my guests will give their top five Bruce Willis performances. So Jim, what have you got for us? Start with your number five and work your way wow. up. Well, uh, my number five. Oh, wait, I, I, I'll turn it upside down. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> um, my number uh, my number five, I would go with. Um, no, I'm going to I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to change these these last two up. Uh, my number, my number five, I would say, would be Unbreakable. Um, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed his uh, uh, the way that uh, he he came across in Unbreakable as being a an unlikely hero, even to himself. He didn't realize he was a hero in that movie. I don't want to spoil things for people if you haven't seen, but well, well worth watching. Great. Uh, Willis is a very taciturn actor, and I think that uh, the director used use that to an advantage here in not having to have him say a lot of words. Yeah. He was a, a great hero in that in that movie and just uh, took an unbelievable story and made, made it feel believable just in, in the way he reacted yeah. to things. Uh, I thought he was, he was used to great effect there. Um, and then uh, uh, number four, I would go with Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction seems to be a, uh, uh, a re, you know, a really meaty role that he hadn't really had before. Um, I, now, and I'm, I'm kind of, I want to, I, I know that I, I want to keep it to five, but Pulp Fiction and uh, Twelve Monkeys to me are kind of side by side. They're they're like the same in terms of stretching Willis's Willis's acting. Uh, I think they both Pulp Fiction and, and Twelve Monkeys are about the same in his quality of acting through uh, through the film. Um, Number three uh, being, uh, gosh, this is another one. Where, where, uh, I, I, Die Hard, I think, was his, is Willis at his cockiest. And I, I enjoy, I enjoy him in, um, in Die Hard just because it's the same wisecracking character that he was in uh, when he was on Moonlighting on TV. I think it was, it, it really, he transferred his character in, in, and made it, made it uh, a little bit more mm -hmm. action-oriented in there but but he he developed it in moonlighting and i think seeing it in die hard it's the same character that he did um i'm up to two right? well no what's number three then three is die hard uh three, oh, okay. three, three you, you didn't hard. say that you just started talking uh, about die hard i thought you were maybe gonna stay in oh, contrast to something. no no yeah yeah no D die hard i would say he's more die hard is where he's going from his moonlighting right. stage to his movie stage Correct. he went from moonlighting into uh, that, that was a great uh, transition for him um i think uh Number number two uh, would be uh, gosh again this is a this is a toss up the, the number two position is uh, six six it's a it's a toss up between Sixth Sense which is a drama horror drama and Fifth Element which is a comedy science fiction so he, he has these merged he, he he manages to do crossover movies into you know the the Sixth Sense is a drama but it's also a horror movie but it's not a horror movie because it's uplifting and in Fifth Element it's a comedy but it's science fiction heavy i mean it's that it's that french heavy metal kind of um uh, science fiction that is very it, it's, it's good it, it it shows his skill his skill at doing uh crossover movies i'm going to bring up my number one film with him and most people i i, th I think i think we'll get complaints about this but i think his best scene in any movie ever which makes the entire movie is he's at the very end of uh, the Tim Robbins movie, The Player. Ah. That's my favorite role. That's my favorite role for him. And the reason, one of the things I love about it is, it's 
Bruce Willis playing Bruce Willis. He's the punchline of a joke that's been going on for two hours, and he's the payoff. At the, it's kind of like um, Sean Connery appearing at the end of uh, Robin right. Hood: Prince of Thieves. Mm-hmm. It's just you get you get hit with Bruce Willis and Julia Roberts in about a, a thirty second scene. But I think it, it makes the entire movie. It's the epitome of Bruce Willis action movies. And it's only, yeah, it's, it's only 30 seconds long, but he, he's the reason the entire, where the entire movie goes. So I would say his number one, his most important role is at the end of The Player. Wow. Okay. I mean, one of the things that, so, that's great those are about- seven of my top five movies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I've always loved about The Player is, is that it is, it's filled with cameos. You know, there's tons of people yes. playing themselves. Yes. You know, which, which I know you like. Yeah. So what can you do? Yes. <laughs> All right, Jim, so you want to tell people uh, where they can find Jim O'Kane? Where you can find me? Well, I'm. Uh, let's see. When this is playing, I should be on hiatus. <laughs> you can go listen You're to my entire on hiatus. library of things. <laughs> oh, I, well, I go, I go into hiding. Like, that way. I, I, uh, I have some other, some other projects I'm working on, but I'm going to be doing some, uh, some deep background work on, on, a, on a few things that are coming. You're going up, up into space? If you want to hear all of my shows. <laughs> no, not this, not this time. As far as not that not, nobody's told me so, uh, but no, I've, what we uh, for people who want to listen to all my stuff and I've done things everything from the Rocketeer Minute and Apollo 13 Minute and all those other things, you can uh, find them at my site jimokane.com. Really easy to find J I M O K A N E dot com, and uh, that has all my all my past sins remembered right there. You can listen to a bunch of different podcasts that I've worked on both by myself with co-hosts and with uh, the movies by minute crew of which you are a part yes, of movie Robinson. that i am that i am it's uh it it's great we're we we were just finishing up uh hopefully hopefully everything went went well because we're still uh, i'm still posting while while we're recording this um but we just finished our most recent one the bowfinger minute where we go over the 1999 uh, frank oz comedy starring uh eddie murphy and steve martin so that's out there at bowfingerminute.com if you really want to hear a good it's a good uh, Whitman sampler of, uh, of of podcasters in the Movies by Minutes group. Yeah. But uh, check that you, out, too. If you do can. you want to give a hint as to what the next one's going to be or not? Uh, <laughs> the movie's in color. And, <laughs> and it'll probably – and it, I think it's going to have a pretty good – it's going to have pretty good familiar – a very familiar theme music, I think, is where, where it's going to go. But I think I think people will enjoy it. And um, it's, a, it's a popcorn movie. Okay. Popcorn movies popcorn are great. Movie. Excellent. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, and you can find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages here and